0: Welcome to Next CLT. Next CLT is a business development initiative that focuses on strengthening companies owned by Black indigenous people of color in Charlotte. Hey everyone, today again we are actually kicking off another Next CLT podcast. We have today Najla Haywood, who is a member of FDY Incorporated. She's the vice president and director of communications. She's responsible for several things at the company. I'll let her introduce that. Najla, welcome.
1: Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here with you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Najla, you actually function in a lot of bases of excellence. You even went to an excellent university called Howard <laughs> University, uh, you know, and then also American for grad school. Give us a snapshot into your journey into becoming vice president at FDY, Inc.
1: Sure. Thank you for those, those kind words. Um, so I have been around FDY Incorporated for my entire life um, in some facet or another. The company was started by my grandfather um, about 40 years ago. Actually, it will be 40 years in about two weeks. Um, And so I grew up in the business. But when it came time to choose my uh, trajectory in terms of what college I wanted to go to and what I wanted to major in, I decided to branch out a little bit. So as you mentioned, I went to Howard University for undergrad, and there I was a marketing major. Um, and then a couple years after I graduated, I I got my master's degree at at American University in international communications. So I've always been interested in marketing and communications. My career uh, after graduate school was really focused on government communications and legislative affairs. So I worked for a number of government agencies in the D.C. area, um, including the Department of Justice, and I served in multiple roles to include communications director, public information officer, um, legislative affairs director. So just a wide range of roles, but everything dealt with comms, communication, talking to people, messaging. Um, and I did that for sheesh, over 10 years. And, and I knew I wanted a change. I got to a point where I was getting burnt out with uh, with that work. I knew I wanted to leave DC I was really fascinated with what was happening in Charlotte, uh, which, you know, I grew up in Charlotte, but it didn't look the same way that it looks now when I was growing up there. Uh, So while I was spending, you know, years of my time in D.C., I was watching the growth in Charlotte and I was like, hmm, maybe I actually could move back home. So I started to kind of, you know, try to execute a plan to get back to Charlotte. It took me about five years to actually do that. It was a huge leap of faith for me because I was doing so well in my career in DC. I was making the connections that I needed to make. I was getting the promotions that I wanted and, you know, I was just really enjoying life, but I knew that I wanted more and I wanted something different. So, um, I finally, you know, took the the leap of faith to move back to Charlotte and join our family business in March of 2020. And if you know anything about March of 2020, you know that that was when the pandemic really hit the country and things started to shut down. So I moved to Charlotte about a week before everything shut down in North Carolina. Wow. Yes. So it was a very interesting transition. I would have to say that every every fear that I had for those five years that I was thinking about moving to Charlotte um, actually manifested itself (laughs) when I did move. So um, I, I couldn't think of a worse time to move, to be honest, because our business is a food service management business. We operate in multiple airports. And I got here, uh, started work on a Monday, and that that Friday we were talking about having to lay off all of our staff because we were getting word that flights were getting canceled and that passengers were not going to be in the airports. Um, so that was that was hard. My transition was very hard. In addition to um, the pandemic happening, I actually lost my grandmother about a month after I moved. She was pretty ill when I moved, but I thought, um, you know, maybe she would be able to pull through, but just watching her health decline um, during a pandemic was really, really hard too. So, you know, not only was it a giant transition for me, it was during a pandemic. And then I lost one of the most pivotal people in my life around that same time. So it was tough.
0: Yeah. So you went through all those transitions during a pandemic and you would, you started to talk about your company change. As a new leader within the organization, how did you kind of like adapt to the, the COVID piece? And then how did you kind of like shift gears to get into the post-COVID piece? And if you just give me a little snapshot of what that was like.
1: You know, looking back on it now, I think my training in... In public information and public affairs, really came in handy during the pandemic because you know I dealt with a lot of you know crisis communication in government. There's always something going on, something's wrong, and I had to learn how to be responsive and flexible, and you know sometimes even on the defensive um, to make sure that you know our our agencies were represented the way that they should have been represented publicly. So, you know, I can look at, you know, my experience transitioning to Charlotte and to FDY in in the same way. It was a huge crisis. It was an unexpected crisis. And we were absolutely unprepared for it. But I had to dig deep into, you know, my toolkit and, you know, say, okay, well, the first thing that we need to do and that we we can do is communicate very openly and transparently transparently with our colleagues and our staff. Um, so one of the things that that we did uh, when I moved was just institute daily meetings with all of our managers and all of our administrative staff uh, so that we kind of could all be on the same page. none of us knew what was happening. none of us knew if we were safe or you know if it was okay to even be in an airport. Um, so you know it was important that we stayed in touch and communicated with each other. And, you know, we were all watching the news. We were all hearing things of, of you know, rumors and, you know, this could happen, that could happen. And so it was very important to have our leadership on the same page when we were talking to all of our management. That was, that was critical. Um, and I would say that my transition, even though at the time it seemed really difficult and challenging, it was, now that I look back, you know, it's been almost three years I can say I didn't have anything to compare it to, you know, I got to FBY and COVID hit and that was my normal. Mm-hmm. I did not have, you know, previous experience in the day-to-day of FBY as some of my colleagues did. So I got there during the crazy time, but all I knew was crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, even though I had to adapt in terms of just transitioning into a new world a new industry, you know, I came in and it was like, all right, we we're in crisis mode and we have to figure this out. So I was like, well, okay, I can do
0: that. (laughs) So you were in crisis mode from a business vantage point. You touched on the personal side. You lost someone who was really dear to you. How did you kind of like bridge those two gaps as you kind of like went through this crisis? I know your training and your education and stuff helped, but, you know, those things are emotional. How did those two bridge in that space?
1: It was really challenging. But, you know, as I mentioned, my grandfather started the company 40 years ago and he started it with his wife, who is my grandmother. So the company, you know, is my, you know, in my mind, the company is my grandparents. There's no separation. Um, So even though we were dealing with a personal crisis in the family in terms of my grandmother's health, You know, we still had this company, FDY, those are my grandfather's initials, Floyd David Young. We had this company that, you know, we had to maintain and uphold his name and try to do everything with, you know, the utmost responsibility and honor to him and to our employees. So, you know, it was kind of, it was all one in the same. It was very emotional. It was very hard. And we kind of just all had to lean on each other, Um, you know, had to give ourselves grace. I know, you know, it was it was hard on my father, who is president of the company now, because not only did he lose his mother and he had lost his father about six months prior, but he also inherited this company and these employees who were looking at him saying, what are we supposed to do? So I watched him go through um, a tough time. And even though I was going through a tough time as well, just personally, I knew that, like, we had to lean on each other. It was the two of us. And, you know, we really had to help each other out and just be each other's strength um, as much as we could. And it was not easy. It was it was it was very challenging you know, to be a daughter who, you know, you haven't worked professionally with your father really ever <laughs> to be starting that relationship amid everything else that was going on was really hard. Um, But it was, you know, it was just very important to stay centered and keep the, um, you know, keep the eyes on the prize, in a sense. And that was keeping the company afloat. I mean, the last thing that we wanted to do was have to close our doors forever because of this pandemic. We were trying to figure out how can we fight through this? If my grandfather could have started this company 40 years ago in Charlotte, where, you know, he was not from Charlotte. He didn't know anybody in Charlotte when he started his company. He just started it and it it maintained it for 40 years. So me and my father were like, we are not about to let this pandemic shut us down. Like we, we don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We got to keep it going. And so it was just our, our relentlessness. You know, I said, I didn't move to Charlotte to fail. I definitely didn't do that. I didn't, you know, you know, change my whole life around to fail. Mm-hmm. So it was just failure was not an option. We just had to figure out, you know, how do we make this work? How do we manage in this unprecedented time? And the great thing about it was, it wasn't just us, <laughs> you know, yeah. it wasn't like we were going through it alone. We had, you know, colleagues in the same industry dealing with the same issues that we were. Every, you know, so many people lost family members during that time period. So, yeah. you know, we had a lot of support and we were able to lean on. our 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 network during that time and i I would honestly say that that's that's the only way we made it through
0: yeah you know so this was a world problem and you know you talk about your network etc you know you got a chance after you know coming through that piece transitioning going through the uh, COVID situation, then family, and then that transition. You participated in Next CLT's Business Accelerator Initiative. What did you learn? How have you applied what you've learned to your business now?
1: So I would say that, you know, Next NextCLT um, came at a time that I desperately needed a, a program like this. Um, you know, I've talked a little bit about the transition, but also, you know, my network was very, very small when I moved back to Charlotte. Yes, I knew people, but not in the business sense. And when I moved, I had all these grand ideas of, oh, I'm gonna, you know, go to these networking events. I'm gonna participate in this. I'm gonna join that. Join that. And then everything was shut down. So, you know, for about two years of being home, there was no physical interaction. There was no networking events. There was there was no, uh, you know, meet and greets. So, you know, the opportunity to participate in Next Charlotte was uh, extremely important for me in terms of getting a sense of who else is out here in the Charlotte community running their own businesses. What kind of businesses are they running? What challenges are they facing and how are they overcoming those challenges? So I would say that Next Charlotte has been extremely helpful for me in just building my Charlotte network. But also hearing from other business owners in Charlotte who have been in in the city for longer than I have, just about like what, you know, the demographics are like, what the business environment is like for African-Americans in Charlotte. That was something that, you know, I thought I would just kind of inherently learn uh, when I moved to Charlotte. But because of the pandemic, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to go out and meet new people so i would say you know one of the the best things that came for me out of next charlotte was just the network it just it widened my network i met some really awesome business owners who um are just you know they're just out here doing their thing and it's it's admirable and it's 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 exciting to be a part of that community
0: as you look at that network what have you applied from some of the lessons you've learned?
1: Um, so I think for me, the idea of looking at my business holistically. Now, I, I'm in a different situation than some of the other, to um, my other cohort members in that I am, I didn't start the business. I'm kind of the succession plan for the business. So, um, you know, me, when I started Next Charlotte, I was kind of, overwhelmed and confused about, like, where do I even begin as I think about succession planning, as I think about, you know, when my father retires and I am in charge of this company, like, where do I start? And Next, Charlotte has done a really good job of giving me a framework on how to look at my company uh, through a wide lens and being able to identify pockets of areas where things might need to change or, you know, where they, we might need to, you know, enhance some of those those areas. I think also the conversations about capital, how to access capital, um, those are going to be extremely important for me because my grandfather, you know, had his own relationships. My father has his own relationships, but now I kind of have to build my own um as it relates to accessing capital. And so the conversations and discussions that we had in Next Charlotte around you know building capital, who to talk to, how do you talk to people, you know, what what do you ask for? Um, those I think will be extremely helpful for me in the long run. And then I would say um, just the conversations about your your number two and your number three, um, having strong team members around you and people that, you know, theoretically could take your place at any time. How do, how do you find that person? How do you develop that person? How do you keep that person motivated? And then again, you know, you have your number two, but you need to have a number three as well. So how do you find that person, develop that person? Um, those are things that really sort of hit home for me. And those are things that I have already started working on, even though um, my father is, is still very active in the business. I think planning ahead, being prepared for anything is important, especially, you know, since we've gone through COVID, we know we just have to be on our toes. So being able to start making those plans now, um, of course, with the ability to tweak them over time if they need to be changed. But just having a plan and a layout now, I think, is, is going to be really helpful for me in the future.
0: As you talk about those plans being really helpful for your future, Najla, let's talk about what's one initiative on your whiteboard that wasn't there 30 days ago?
1: Um. So actually, there are a couple. Um, I will say that days ago, uh, my company did not have a contract that we now have. That was my first, I would say, presentation on behalf of FDY. I presented to the potential client. I kind of managed the entire contract and um, in, in RFP process. And I wasn't sure 30 days ago what was going to come of that. Well, you know, as of today, we got the business. So for me, it's an exciting opportunity because I will get to see our company um, engage a client, a new client from day one. Um, that is a, that's a process that I have not, been able to be involved in prior to now so um you know building a team we have to build a whole new team to manage this particular client and this project um building relationships with that client ensuring that the client um is satisfied with our 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 work is going to be crucial and i'm kind of the lead on it So, so so that's a it's a huge project it's a um I believe it'll be a three-year term. So for the next three years, this is kind of my baby that I get to work on hand-in-hand um, hand with a client and just making sure that, you know, we represent our name, FDY, and that was my grandfather's initials, as I said earlier, making sure that we represent our name uh, the way that that he would have expected. So it's kind of, it's exciting because it's new. Um, it's a little bit nerve-wracking for me because, as I mentioned, it's my first the first big, you know, proposal that I've won um, and the client that I'm going to have to manage. So that's one of the things on my whiteboard. I have a couple other things, but that's the main, <laughs> the main one. And I'm, I'm excited to start out 2023 with, you know, a brand new client, a, ba- a brand new project and a brand new team um, to work with on this project.
0: Hey, well, I'm excited for you as well. You know, so that's that's exciting. So, not yeah. to not to change your excitement a little bit, but you know, one of the <laughs> things is as you go through some successes, sometimes you have failures, right? And so, I'm really excited for you in that space of, you know, getting your new client and starting it from scratch, and then having a three-year run of of managing it as your baby, but. What's been your biggest failure in the last year and why do you think that happened?
1: I don't have failures, Eric.
0: <laughs> no, I'm kidding.
1: I'm kidding. No, I, but I don't, I try not to look at things as failures. I look at, at things as lessons, right? So um, I think that, you know, I, I'm not going to call it a, a failure because it's actually still, it's ongoing. It's an ongoing project, but we our company has, um, started a virtual kitchen, which is a very interesting space to be in. Um, a virtual kitchen is basically a kitchen that um, the client or the customer doesn't ever see. You use your mobile device to order your food from, say, a DoorDash or an Uber Eats, and your food is either delivered to you or you go pick it up. But you um, you know, very rarely engage with the the person who made your food. So, um, the last year that's been a project that that our company has started, it was, I would say it was kind of my idea. I mean, it was the collaborative idea, but I really pushed for it because I saw the need for us to be a little bit more accessible uh, because of COVID with our units in the airports. You know, customers weren't in the airport, so we didn't have customers. So, I wanted to think of another way for us to access customers outside of the airport where they would not have to necessarily see us come into our stores and interact with us, but where we could just, you know, provide our services to them uh, without contact. And so I really wanted to see the virtual kitchen flourish. And, you know, to be honest, it's not performing as well as I would have hoped. It's performing okay. Uh, We're seeing increases every week in sales, which is exciting. But, you know, I, I kind of wanted to see more. So even though I wouldn't, I don't call it a failure, it's an I definitely think it's a lesson and it's an opportunity um, in in learning kind of what the customer wants, how the customer wants to receive that, and you know, how our company can provide those services. So we actually have some plans in place for 2023 to really enhance that virtual kitchen space and to make it uh, even more accessible and to even add a um, customer component to that. Because you know people are back out in the streets. Um you know people do want contact now. Um, uh, people want to you know have the experience of going out to eat and the experience of meeting you know the the their you know waiter or waitress or their chef or you know, so we are we're looking to doing a little bit more of that experience um, dining in twenty twenty three i'm excited about that and i'm proud of i'm proud of our company for trying something new Um, this was this was a a different space for us a new space for us and you know we're just kind of getting our feet wet in it i think that you know next year we'll we'll really take off because we've got some new ideas and we've got some new products coming out so
0: we'll see. We we will definitely see. <laughs> well, good, good. So you said lessons learned. You uh, look at it from that vantage point. As you think about coming back to next CLT and lessons learned, why do you think it's important for entrepreneurs of color and black indigenous people of color? You know, why is it important for next CLT to be in the city and be in the county? And have this type of business accelerator.
1: Oh, I think it's um, it's critical. Um, you know, I think about forty years ago when my grandfather started the company. It was really you know kind of on a hope and a prayer. There was not a network like this for him at the time, and you know he struggled. Every year wasn't a great year. I think some of the some of the business decisions he made, um, you know, just on his own recognizance, just by himself. And even though, you know, he was able to sustain the company for all these years, I can only imagine what he could have done with a network like Next Charlotte. So, you know, me coming to the company 40 years later and being a part of Next Charlotte is, it's almost, you know, like you have a, Uh, a safety net, so to speak uh, underneath you. Like, I feel like, yeah, this is a lot of work. This is, this is going to be, you know, a challenge, but as part of next Charlotte, there's a, there are a team of people who I, I can call on at any time who I can just, you know, say, Hey, I'm struggling. I need some advice. Can you help me? Um, and that's that's important. I think that's so important for people of color to to have. I think we we for years had to kind of do things on our own or sort of in secret, um, and now being able to just be open about the challenges that you're facing, be open about your goals, and talk to people who have done it before, or you know who who know how you can do it, and those people share you know just jewels of information with you is just so important
0: and you're talking about that social capital right absolutely you know you also have in that space you have a mentor in your mentorship journey there's been some slight transition what has just having that meant to you
1: oh that's it's um again it goes back to that safety net it's just nice to have somebody that i can talk to somebody who you know is is very tapped into the city who knows the demographic who knows um you know the political nature of the city just having that person to be able to talk to and to be able to talk to in a way that is not um awkward you know it's just very comfortable um have to have the conversations and then just to kind of learn from from his experiences learn from his journey is is um, invaluable. It really is. It's it's just. It's nice to have that, and it's also nice to know that you know, like this time next year, I will still have that. You know that that there's not necessarily a time cap on it. Yes, for the purposes of our cohort, there's a time you know period and expectation. But I think the relationship that I built with my men- mentor is one that you know I hope will continue for years to come.
0: Yeah, and that's a great journey to be on. So I'm going to take you down this path here at this point. You've transitioned. You are into succession planning. You've created a new project on your whiteboard. You've done other things. You've had some failures, but you saw it as lessons learned. What are you passionate about that you have not yet added to your things to do?
1: (laughs) Oh, well... You know, having been out of my role as you know a government comms director, I am now realizing that I kind of miss that, and um, that you know I that is that is part of my passion. I do miss um, the I guess the public affairs side of the work that I used to do, so I am. Also adding to my plate in 2023, um, you know, some additional sort of work that takes me back to what I what I used to do. um, And that is, you know, writing press releases and writing speeches and, you know, creating communications plans and talking about internal communications, um, you know, and, and and. organizational communications, I'm going back to that. So I'm looking forward to being able to kind of dabble in some of the work that I used to do uh, while continuing to do this this new work that I'm doing in and, and a new industry. I think it's all related. Um, but I do miss, you know, I miss um, some of the more public-facing face- work that I used to do. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back into that.
0: Nezla, we're going to wrap here, but can you tell me what's one thing that your company did for a client that you didn't expect? I mean, you guys have gotten awards, et cetera, and you've actually gotten national awards, et cetera. But what's one thing that you guys did that you didn't expect?
1: That one is a hard one um, <laughs> just because I feel like I'm, I'm so involved in all of the decisions that we make as a company now. Um, I will say that prior to me, um, being with the company, you know, I was surprised to hear, at, I was surprised to hear some of the concessions that we would make for customers and for clients, um, before, you know, it, it could, it could be a number of uh, related to a number of things, whether that's. Related to pricing or related to you know additional services that aren't necessarily in, in the contract, um, but what I what I'm learning is that our business has really been relationship based, and you know part of building those relationships is sometimes making certain concessions, and I think um, that is definitely something that I struggle with. I'll be very frank and honest about that. I struggle with that now because I'm very you know. When we're talking about business, we're talking about business. When we're talking about friendships or relationships, it's a separate conversation. But there is a fine line. There's a fine line, especially, um, you know, in a city where you, you, you never know when you may need some help, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I think that you know the way that that our business um, operated for many years was really you know a lot of times it was on a handshake a conversation and a handshake. And I'm one of those people that's like, no, write it down. <laughs> you know, yeah. I want to see it in writing and I want somebody to sign on the dotted line. Um, but a lot of things, you know, when I'm looking at the history and why do we do this this way or what, why do we make the decision that we made and there's no documentation for it? It's really just, Oh, well, you know, so-and-so was talking to so-and-so and that, you know, that, that transaction was made. Um, and that surprises me. It surprises me. It, um, I guess I would say it's not natural for me, but I understand it more having gone through COVID in, in this industry and in this city, how much you need those relationships and how sometimes you do make concessions for certain relationships and for certain clients because you just do. Um, and it's, it's, a fine, it's a fine line. It's definitely something that I'm still learning. But um, it surprised me, I will say. It was not. It was unexpected to me to find out some of the um, concessions that we've made for our clients. But then at the same time, those are clients that we go to and say, hey, you know, we need a referral for this proposal that we're writing. And they're, you know, beyond happy to write the referral. You know, they're, they're they give us the greatest support. And, you know, they've been there for me and my father as we've made this transition through COVID. And so that's what's important, you know it really is, yeah, uh, but
0: it, again, like I said, it's a fine line, <laughs> Najula, you know, I want to thank you so very much for being so candid. I also understand that you're a member of that uh fantastic organization alpha Kappa Alpha, and uh i, I you know <laughs> so i I know you're a part of that, and you know as leaders, I know you're proud of your your vice president of uh, the country, yes, but absolutely. I know, and, I, and a Howard alum like you. And, you know, so I guess you're following in that footsteps of leading and uh, creating that type of opportunity for others as a family yeah. business and leading. So thank you. Uh, congratulations. I'll let you have the last word here. Oh, well,
1: thank you so much, Eric. I do appreciate the opportunity to to talk to you about, you know, my personal experience and my journey, I think it's, um, it's just an honor to be a member of Next Charlotte. I, like I said, you know, couldn't have asked for better timing and a better opportunity. So I'm very grateful to you for just your support um, and, you know, advocating on my behalf. I know you do a lot of work behind the scenes. And so I thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And yes, I just, I hope that you know, 2023 can be an excellent year for all of us. And, you know, I'm I'm just so excited to continue to build relationships with my um, next Charlotte cohort members and members of other cohorts as well. So thank you so much, Eric.